of knowing. All right, man. Uh, here we be. Crow Triple Seven live stream. I think this is actually 23 tonight. Jason and Roy Rose are going to join us. We're going to talk about Shoot the Moon uh, because Jason's actually racked up some quite a number of awards. Um, and the one he just got's interesting, which we'll talk about. Probably provide links for anyone who wants. But anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good evening, Crow. Um, Rose is not on yet, right? Uh, let me see. I She's see restarting meeting. her computer, yeah, so give her a minute. Okay, give her a minute. So it's been uh, a heck of a week. We, uh, You and I put together 232, episode 232, where uh, I had debated for a long time to cover quite a number of things that we put into that episode. And uh, as you know, we both dis- discussed whether that would go over as a Led Zeppelin or whether people were ready. Not only were people were ready to hear what we were laying down, um, which is miles and miles away from where we were two, three years ago, uh, there was nary a negative comment. And the people who chose to dissent, uh, which is their right to do so, were cool about it. And you can't ask for anything more than that. No. Uh, when you told me that, I was like, really, that's... That is a huge step in the right direction. That that's showing that folks are indeed. What would you call it? I mean, are they, are they raising their vibration? Right. Are they opening yeah. their minds? I mean, what kind of words do you want to put to it? But it shows that hey, this is good. Entering the new era, man. The last era, this low cycle that we're getting ready to come out of, or we are coming out of, or whatever the actual truth of it is that we know is occurring. We just don't know exactly is that we've been taught to be bigoted and prejudiced and to hold on to ideas that we believe in that we can't even prove and that's all changing people are ready to consider new things and it doesn't mean they need to accept them but the big improvement is if you hear something that's a million miles away from where you've been to consider it instead of being upset by it or shouting it down that's where it all starts that's where the adult conversation begins to carry us to a new place and uh, I was pleasantly surprised so we decided to follow up um, on that episode. And let me tell you something. When you hit the ball that hard <laughs> at home plate, it's hard to replicate. Right, indeed. Uh, and we're, we're going to try and do that. We're going to follow that up. There's a lot of gaps that we're going to try and fill in. There's a lot of information that you were pulling from a variety of sources. And, uh, well, you know, it's not always easy to tie it all together. But that's that's what we do here, isn't it? Well, I've been holding on to so much of it. Well, you know, I've hinted, we didn't say anything that I haven't dropped hints about and put out enough for people who want to do their own research. They would have got down this road on their on their own, Um, which is basically the way I did it. You know, all those years ago, Um, I saw these things. The difference between what I see online and the way I was is I always valued all these old cultures and all these old writings. I never took a bigoted standpoint. I considered them human beings that had something to teach me, and it gave me an advantage, and I learned that from my father. Um, So I can credit my father with teaching me um, that information is information. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It's information, it has to be challenged, evaluated, and sometimes you will be astounded by the value in information that you get from the least expected place, and I think that's a true thing. Yeah, no, I think so. And I mean, should we just talk about what the uh, what it really comes back to? And that is the sun. 
It is. It's always been about the sun, and it's the the unfortunate part is here in the West where we live in the material hyper materialism culture. Um, the people who have tried to have a life of spiritualism have used Western means, but the problem is, is they've been taught very literal meanings, unless they were fortunate enough to meet a teacher who knew some things, which is always possible. I've met people, um, but the point is, within the literal teachings, you've been told, oh, you can't think about Venus, that's evil, you'll go to hell, and things like this. And so a big part of what we've had to do is reframe the reality and the truth. And by the way, we still may need to go back um, to biblical accounts that people may not realize are flat out telling you the sky clock is for signs. Um, and the one that always pops to my mind because I've read it the most recently is Job. Job is packed with these little gems, just to be clear. Um, the other problem is people who recognize that the literal reading of a lot of religious traditions is the very lowest level, and so they've taken umbrage with the entire religion. So I've tried to say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we've kind of, we don't need to talk about these things anymore. I mean, based on what happened on this last, we're there. There are tons and tons of people that are just ready, that realize the window's opening and they want the fresh air. So I think we're going to have to try to keep keep hitting home runs which is not easy we we hit that ball so hard on two three two the skin came off it <laughs> and all those little threads came came loose flying through the air <laughs> <laughs> no it was good it was definitely definitely good and we're gonna try and, and deliver more of that because uh, these are things that definitely need to be said but uh, again let's let's boil it down in the way long ago however long ago that really was there was one thing that was really freaking obvious. Well, two things, technically, but they were not always there at the same time. One is the sun, and the other is the moon. Do you think that primitive man, whatever they may have been way back when, didn't look up at that and realize to some degree that this is what makes life happen? If not for this, like at nighttime, we are not as safe and things aren't happening for us uh, in as much of a positive light. At night, the predators come out, and we cannot see, and we cannot collect food, and we can't... It all makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's just it's just a real easy, straightforward thing, this great big thing in the sky that then they started mapping it out. And I mean, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with this kind of information. It's kind of what I call the Jordan Maxwell kind of stuff. This is the stuff he, he put out there years ago that uh, was dead on. Well, to me, to me, it's the common sense that was basically whipped out of us in this kind of low cycle that we're struggling to get free of. Um, the common sense basically was just twisted right out of us in every way they could think of to do it. And back in those days, they didn't have that problem. The truth was, as you knew, winter was coming. You knew that's going to be hell. Hint, hint, hint. You better have enough food put aside. And by the way, you're probably going to have to kill things uh, to survive because you're certainly not growing corn or potatoes or anything else you might be able to harvest. And so it was easy back in those days, I would imagine, to understand the sun is doing these things. And back in the day when the horseshoe crabs or the molting of blue crabs, which maybe they ate, when all these things happened, they recognized, hey, man, it's the same phase of the moon. Hey, man, it's the same month of the year. We lost track of that with the modern era of science and television and supermarkets. Supermarkets maybe changed the world in more astonishing ways than most people understand for the simple reason 
is it just completely separates you from nature. You don't give a damn what the season for a melon is because you can get a melon 24-7. And so the idea that the season matters leaves your body. But you see, the season has always mattered, and the season will always matter. And when we look and break down cycles of numbers 1 through 9, 11 through 22, which I assert is the higher cycle we are entering into, I don't know exactly how or where at this point, but I know that we're doing that. Um, it seems pretty clear to me that if you want to get to the highest you can be here, to the perfection that has been promised in books like the Bible and every other religious tradition, in alchemy, in the idea of the original great work, then you've got to understand how this place works so you know what to do. And, you know, from the accounts that I've read, even if someone told you what had to be done, it would be the most difficult thing you've ever done. That's what I have read over and over and over. But unfortunately, in this low cycle, we have places like the Vatican that brag, look, we got the keys. We're holding the keys to the kingdom. So it's not bad enough that no one's told you there's these things we're supposed to be doing here. Um, some other jackass is claiming to have the keys and not even allowing you to know if he can prevent it, that there's things we're supposed to be doing here. And while he's at it, piling extra scoops of ice cream and frosting and all these other things that are not helping. Right, and who are the people who still had a pretty good in-touchness with nature and Mother Earth and all that? Well, that'd be the farmers, wouldn't it? And what have they been doing over the decades? Pretty much blasting them out of existence with yeah, insane and not only technology. That, contracting them, forcing them to not be able to get seed without a contract, forcing them to use Roundup if they can. All these things that uh, are, are the, it's the, it's the proof in the low age pudding. Um, and you don't have to be a genius anymore to understand if someone offers you a, a farm grown apple or an organic apple, 90 something percent are going to say, give me that organic apple. That's nature. There's nothing poisonous on it. And yet from, I don't know, maybe the 40s, 50s, I don't know when it started all the way up to where we are now, uh, people were convinced it's just fine that there's poison on your food. Um, it's just fine that we destroyed the soil that your food was grown in. It's just fine that there's no worms. Um, but now it's coming around. We're coming full circle now, and we have a real chance to start to try to do better. Meanwhile, there's the biggest coup d'etat ever attempted in the world. Um, but, you know, I made fun of that the other day, quoting from The Sound of Music. How do you stop a problem like Maria? Good luck, boys. The tide's coming in. One way or other, you know, we, we may go through a little hell, I don't know, but I know certainly the tide is coming in. Well, there's the other end of that too, uh, not just the food, but what they're doing to the water. Uh, our freshwater sources, especially in the United States, are being used up and a lot of times being taken out of here. Now, I don't know if people know this, but China is buying up large amounts of the freshwater sources from freshwater lakes and all that. And it's, it's not good. There's a lot of stuff going on that just for some reason the mainstream media just doesn't seem to talk about well i mean at this point the talking heads are, are starting to act like um the whole game now is to still be a country at the end of this century um that's that's the little game they're playing um as if money and all these other things gives you the right and the power and it's going to be an interesting ride. I don't know which way this is going to go, but I do know enough people who have things in the federal court that if they do what they swore an oath to do, there's going to be hell to pay. If they don't, there's going to be a whole other 
issues that we have to deal with. Um, but at the end of the day, these created things, they have a shelf life. And when we know certainly that we're coming to the end of an era and that we are lifting into a higher cycle, um, what's that say about people who want to restrict human speech, human movement, human, you know, the, who, who basically want to restrict the higher possibilities of a human life. If it is true that this place is a perfect creation, then basically what we're saying is the people with all the power, supposedly, are flying in the face of nature. And I wouldn't trade places with them for a second. Right. So where do we go from here? Well, I would say you need to start understanding things in a way that... Uh, that maybe you don't, and that that's kind of where we're going to lead with this live stream to talk about our film, but a lot of the film has to do with alchemical doings. I guess it would be a fair way to say it. We wrapped a lot of up of what we did in this film through alchemical means, even the release time and all that. Right. It was all timed, you know, to the, to the level and the ability that we have, which, let's be honest, it's pride diaper level. Um, but doing the best we can as we try to catch up and walk like an adult, which is not easy when you've been denied so many things um, and you didn't know what you didn't know. Uh, the timing, everything about the film was thought about to coincide with what we had learned about natural sciences. And it had to do with alchemy, but really more than the word alchemy, which is just a word we have to describe a thing. The whole idea of it is the higher path of a human being. Um, do we have to keep doing this? I don't know. We don't have a good idea of what death is. It seems like past cultures did, or at least they had cultural constructs which allowed them to address the issue of death. In our culture, we hide it. We put it as far away from us. It happens. We run from it. We sterilize it. We burn it up, and then we go on like it never happened. Um, to know what happens at death is a big deal, and it always was a big deal, and it's intimately tied to the sky clock, the life of a human being, and what can come here, and all that was put into the movie. It's just not maybe apparent to a lot of people um, because they haven't been exposed to the ideas. So with this last award, um, it was a hermetic film festival, and you know we talk about Omar Khayyam, the Rubiot of Omar Khayyam. The, we're talking about people who were realized masters. And, you know, there are some things I'd change. If I had it to do over, I probably wouldn't cite Plato. Um, if I was going to go from that area of, of supposed time, I'd probably use Socrates. But it doesn't matter. People understand why we're referencing who we're referencing and why those little text interludes between the film are there. And apparently the film festival started to catch on. Uh, Rose is with us, by the way, and uh, we can start talking, I think, about the uh, the submissions that we did. Her and I chose a whole bunch of film festivals to enter, and as you can imagine, it didn't float with a whole lot of them. But as of <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> as of yesterday, I did get what they call a laurel or an award or whatever you want to call them. I got my eighth one, uh, and I'll save that one for last because that's the most interesting, I think. Uh, but the ones that I did get something from are the fil First Time Filmmaker Sessions, the Colorado International Activism Film Festival, the Impact Docs Awards, the 5th Jaipur Film World 2021, Flickr's Rhode Island International Film Festival. That's a big one. Yeah. The Indie Gathering International Film Festival and the Blow Up International Art House Film Festival. 
and the one I skipped, if I'm reading all this right. Wasn't there one from Chicago? Let me see. It's a big, long list I'm flipping through here. Chicago. No. I don't think it was Chicago. I mean, if I skipped one, I skipped one. But uh, anyway, back to the one I got last night out of the blue. The first Hermetic International Film Festival. It's run out of Venice, Italy. And Shoot the Moon won Best Feature Documentary, the Paracelsus Award. And I I think I have to say this is the one I'm most proud of. Let's address that because most people probably don't understand what you just said. Um, (laughs) Best Documentary. By the way, welcome, Rose. Sorry. (laughs) Hello, hello. Okay. Congratulations, Jason. That's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. But when we consider the best film, um, that's not like, hey, Johnny Pardo, give them their Mr. Coffee and send them home. That's actually something meaningful in their eyes. But when you're a hermetic film festival and you name the award the Paracelsus Award, Paracelsus is probably the biggest, most famous name in what I'll call natural science or alchemy. So uh, it's great. I was thrilled to hear that it was where it was because this is one of the epicenters back in the day where hermeticism was, well, granted on the dark side of hermeticism, but nonetheless being implemented by places like the Vatican in a hidden way, um, probably from places like France and Spain. But I think that this one is significant, Jason. I mean, what's your take, Rose? I think it's extremely significant. This is the one that is in Italy, and unfortunately, uh, because of the nonsense that's happening right now, it's not going to be in person, and they're doing it online. So we have to upload the film to the website for their online thing. But I think that it is so exciting because, especially um, Paracelsus is, I mean, they're calling it the Paracelsus Award, and Paracelsus was a prominent figure, you know, it's a meaningful idea. And so I just think it's very, very special. And I wanted to point out that we do have an episode about Paracelsus that we did with Phoenix Aurelius, and that was episode 182. If I'm not mistaken, we the, the in-between text cards in the film, I think, Jason, we have one or two quotes from Paracelsus in there, don't we? I think so. Pretty yeah. sure there's one about people who think all fruits come ripe when... You know, strawberries come right, don't know anything about, you know, fruit grapes. or something like that. Yeah. If, if, yeah, people who know about strawberries don't know about grapes. Right. Um, so it's a big deal. But, I mean, come on. Venice Venice used to be the seat of, like, world power. And it kind of, who knows, maybe kind of still is. <laughs> The, the black gulfs were there. But yeah. to get to get recognized <laughs> in this way in a place like that, and by the way, Rose, I'm, I understand it's kind of sucky. People can't do it. But just imagine how many more eyes will get to see the film uh, online than if they had some, you know, modicum of a theater that would sit 100 people or something. Yeah, that's true. And they did ask if we could provide subtitles. And I already transcribed it, you know, upon the release of the film, but we didn't upload... I mean, I, I, they're asking for Italian, I guess. I don't know if anyone out there would be willing to help us. I certainly would be willing to do the the monkey work entering it in. I just need, it, need to know where it goes. So I don't know if it would be possible for me to do it by myself. So that's a big ask. So what we're saying is we have English transcripts already typed out for Shoot the Moon, but the film festival would like to be able to run it in Italian. Um, so does anyone know an easy way to take English and get it convincingly 
over into Italian. Um, I suspect the truth of it is uh, you need an Italian person to read it and type yeah. it because a tool's not going to understand gender or anything else. Well, that and there's with this kind of material, it's got to be right. You can't just, well, let, let's be honest, you can't use like Google Translate and half ass it. No, no, it would have to be translated by an Italian. But my, I'm wondering, does it really matter if I insert the correct Italian words right at the perfect moment? Because if the person really doesn't know English at all, they're not going to know any better. I don't know what the uh, if that would be a party foul. Mm, I, I'm not sure. It almost make do. Do we get any response from Secret Squirrel, Jason? Uh, not yet, but I I did kick that off last night, so we'll see if we get a, get any buzzwords coming back. Get some nuts on maybe, that tree. Yeah, maybe I'll get on the not so bat phone and see if I can get a response. <laughs> now I see some people asking when you win awards from film festivals, the very first thing you get is what's. I, I'm sure everyone can figure out it's recognition. What it means is, uh, like, I have an IMDb page for Shoot the Moon, and I made one for myself. And it means that it's it's like bragging rights. So that when if I wanted to start interacting with the greater film community, I have won eight awards for my first documentary film. And I can put the what they call a laurel. It's a little little emblem that, that you download specifically from each one. And you're now allowed to put those on your movie poster. So if I print up new movie posters for Shoot the Moon, I now have legal permission to put each of the eight I have received from those specific film festivals on there. Because if you just do that and, and you don't do it, you'll get your ass sued off because that's representing that uh, organization saying that they put their stamp of approval on your film. So I could actually put the eight individual, they're, they're not just a generic thing. Each one has their own for what it was, was you won and what year and all that. And you could put those on the movie poster. So that's one thing you can do. I can go on my IMDB page and I can put that these are the awards I was chosen for for this film. And some of them do prizes. Uh, this hermetic one, for instance, gives you uh, an unlimited access to, to a, a secondary service they work with. There was actually quite a few prizes. Uh, nothing, None of them offered money or anything like that. They always give you a free entrance to the film festival, uh, whether they're showing your film or not. Just because you won does not necessarily mean they'll be shown. And that was the thing I thought was kind of ridiculous, if you will. None of the other ones uh, chose to show it. This one is showing it. So well, because well, let's let's tell the backstory. This is how it. I don't know. Jason might have a different point of view. From my point of view, so I had all this content, and Jason films it and takes the content that I had already filmed. He puts it together, and my experience online had you know I had a mindset about how the standard general public would respond to this. And what I saw at first was no one would even touch it to put it in a film festival. And then I remember the first night you pinged me and said, hey, we got into this film festival. And I said, okay, we got one. Um, but then that started to change. And so I started to get hope. And I started to think, well, maybe it was. You know, the sky clock is, there's something primordial about looking at images of the sky filmed in the way I did it. It draws you in, or it draws a lot of people at least in the moon, the sun, all the things that we filmed. Um, and I was hoping that would catch on. But then pretty soon he's pinging me. Hey, we got into another one. Hey, we won an award. And I began to realize that the, the tide is turning here. People are not afraid because I said NASA lied to us and all the other things that I said in there. Basically, nothing leaves uh, our atmosphere. I said a number of things in this film. By the way, there might be a double sun. Um, all these things I figured would shut us down. Um, but that's 
that's the thing, Jason. They, they accepted it, but none of them would run it. And now, in an important venue from a hermetic place, uh, they're actually going to run it. So. Yeah, and Rose and I had planned that if indeed we did, did get anything through this one, we would we would go visit Venice. We would go see what uh, what it's all about. And of course, with all the current nonsense, pff, that's not happening. <laughs> but you I, know what, Jason? What's cool is that we don't have to worry anymore because when I was there in 2004, they had my family and I completely convinced that it was going to sink. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's still yeah, there to me as far as I know. <laughs> Well, that's a that's a whole other story, you know. They say that about New Orleans they, too. <laughs> well, they pounded the the claim is they pounded all these posts into the ground, and I'm thinking, well, what's the shelf life of a post? You know, that's not going to last forever in the first place. So, if things are sinking, is it likely the oceans rising or the posts are rotting? Uh, they were well, attributing then. it to climate change. And yeah, it was ridiculous. Well, they're even <laughs> it was building. So ridiculous. They're building a huge dam, by the way, that I've seen recently. So supposedly try to stop the harbor from flooding. How, how do you keep a wave upon the sand? <laughs> well, go to Venice. You'll see they're going to give it a go. <laughs> it's a problem like Maria. How do you yeah, problem? it's exactly like Maria because Maria starts with M. Right. So do you think it's safe to say that most folks have seen the film by now? Or should we actually talk about it a little bit in case we have new listeners that have not? Let's Let's just ask. If you're in the chat room and you've seen Shoot the Moon, put in a yes. If you haven't, put in a no. And that'll give us a real-time, actual idea um, to work with. Same thing with uh, with DLive. I'm, I'll, I'll take a look at that one, too. Oh, sorry. I always forget about DLive. Yeah, I've been flipping back and forth, too. I, I finally got the damned GIFs turned off, so it's not as annoying to uh, <laughs> look at DLive oh, now. You can do, yeah, maybe I'll go over there then. There, there's there's a setting that, that about six people said, here, do this. Um, yeah. A lot of people on, on DLive are saying no, but we do have a couple yeses. Let's, so, all right, well, well it looks we like... Should, we, shouldn't, we should inform people. If you're a recurring member at crow777radio.com. You get the movie for free, just so you know. Um, Explain what that means. That, so a recurring member means you sign up, and month after month you're there as a member with us um, for 7 bucks. And by the way, I don't know of any other podcast that's delivering the amount of content we are. Most people that I'm aware of are doing four shows. We're doing double that, um, and we're doing a live stream on top of it. So what's that amount to? Less than pennies on the dollar for each show. Eight shows if you don't count the live streams, which is another four shows on top of that. So that's 12 shows if you count the live streams. But the live streams are free to everybody. But if you're recurring and you sign up as recurring, we give you a free key to go log on to Vimeo and get an HD viewing of the movie. I think actually the vast majority of people have seen it that way. Um, and so the reason for that is because the recurring membership allows us to understand we can survive. That's the whole reason behind it. Um, with censorship and everything else we face, it is the recurring members that allow us to know we can do this another month. Um, and that is not to belittle people who just go month to month, um, because I get it, man. Things are tough all over. Um, but we felt, well, I guess I want to address that. Well, yeah. And the whole thing is that helps us to know that we have a listener base that is willing to spend a whopping seven dollars. I mean, think about what costs seven dollars that uh, that you get. You, the differences that you get for seven bucks. I I would like to think that what we put out is worth it. But I mean, that's but, that's everyone's individual opinion, of course. 
Look at this, man. It helps Problem us to keep that. the website on. And we also have the forum, too. And I hope that we can drive more traffic to the forum. And we are updating the website, so it's hopefully easier to use. Crow, do you know if it's going to be possible to have direct messaging? Because I know personally, if we had direct messaging on the website, I would be able to stop using a lot more Facebook. Um, we may. I'm looking into it, and it's about security, and it's about server use, because we pay for all that. But look at the frog, man, being a problem child. Yes, if you've been there three years paying month to month, send me an email, and you get keys. You know who I'm talking to out there. Um, anyhow, <laughs> um, we did bring up direct messaging, um, and it is a possibility. The problem with direct messaging when you're doing it on your own server is, one, security, and two, what if you get... 200 people all at once doing it and we're running our own server um, so these are the things we're looking at right and then we're also looking at a search feature which I think is going to be really helpful because I would just think if it was my first time going to the website I would have absolutely no idea how many different topics are covered and also if we have a great guest on people want to look at previous episodes so it should be in such a way that you put some words in and it will search across all of the transcripts. So basically everyone has access to like what my brain has access to the past couple years. Well, we should, we should point out why things were done this way. People get irked because it's most times the title or something about what's publicly visible when you look at one of the podcasts, lets them know what they're after. What I've had to do is run under radar. I've had to dodge censorship like probably no one else you know. And since I am digital, and since I have had to do with digital security, and I understand how algorithms and these things work, what I realized is, is if I imply something in the title that doesn't directly address what's there, and I do the same thing in description, the way the algorithms typically look across things, uh, it'll give them a tough time. But the unfortunate side effect is people say, crap, man, I saw this... I heard this thing three months ago, now I can't find it. So what Rose is pointing out, the new site will have a search function which searches across every word ever spoken since I've been doing this. So to talk about what we did in the film for anybody who's not familiar with it, what this is is a culmination of pretty much all of the work that Crow did with his telescope for about five, four to five years. I don't remember exactly what you said the, the time was, and I don't know if you know exactly what near, the time was. Near, nearly, nearly five years, I think. And I went through it all, which was a lot of data, and I trimmed them down and put them together in what I was hoping to be a little more of a cinematic sort of look while still presenting the footage honestly of what, what Crow caught because I was trying to present this to hopefully get more of the mainstream mind to look at it. And I thought if I do this less like an instructional video and more like a, an, ooh, oh my God, ooh, look at that kind of thing, but it's still being a, a it's real. It's, it's not bullshit. You know, it's, this, this is the real stuff. This is what he shot. Uh, even the most in, amazingly unusual things that can't be explained, yes, he shot those. So I tried to use different angles and pans and things like that, but the, the other half of it is not just the visuals, it's the sound. And this is the part where I, I'm just totally blown away with uh, the performance and, and the writing that uh, my friend Brett Dietz did, the one who I just did uh, I'm the Slime with. Brett is a very, very good composer, and he would make these tracks for each section 
and he'd wa- he'd do like 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 you would you know if you ever watched Hans Zimmer yapping about you know the, the newest Hollywood film he did and all that they they watch the footage and then they score appropriately to the scene. And that's what Brett did. And then I would mix it in, in with my studio gear. And, and this is the result you see. So. Which is, but we should point out, this is also the way the music came together. And Jason dealt with most of that. Um, I gave very little input. The input that I gave is I wanted a couple classical tracks that were directly drawn from people writing, composing classical music about the moon. Claire de Lune was one. Um, Beethoven. Um, because in in my view, Beethoven, what what he did, the the higher mindedness, and the timeless nature, you know, thousand years from now, you can hear that still going to be everything it is today, probably, um, unless something drastic has happened. But it's still alchemical, and even how that just happened, because Jason meets a guy who's been following us, and then he begins to forge tracks based on what's there, um, and when you listen to the soundtrack, it's unique in that way um, to me it's it, there, it's not like you could say there's a genre of music because there's not there's almost all these different styles depending on what you're looking at but it flows seamlessly you know what it's almost like it's almost like taking a trip around the world to listen to that audio track um, and and all its uh, changeovers but it's seamless and that struck me after the fact when I was finally presented with it is almost an alchemical process bringing it all together and one of the things I'm actually really proud of with the film and something I was warned about by multiple people is that uh, a lot of first-time filmmakers drop the ball, not necessarily visually because they're focused on their film, quote-unquote, but it's the audio side of it. And since that's what I started as, as an audio engineer and doing mixes and recording and all that, that was the part I was actually more confident in. So when people saw this and they're like, oh, you're a first-time filmmaker – uh, you didn't fall into the typical pitfall of the of the audio thing, and all I had to do was just watch the meters, make sure everything was was even. Don't don't have things spiking all over the place. Make sure everything is it can be heard and all that. Um, Crow, I just put something in the Skype chat. Yeah, I, I saw that. I'll address it. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, um, the concern is whether I'm a sun worshiper, and no, I don't worship anything. Um, I'm trying to point out that we live in a perfect system and we have to understand how this works to perfect ourselves. We're part of it. We were created in it. What's the biblical saying? All are of the dust and all shall return to the dust. There's the final overarching period on the end of that sentence. You're part of this nature. Um, And it's not about worshiping anything. It's about knowing things. Um, Did I get that all? Yeah, I think I did. I think that I can add something that you also um, say when people ask you about this, which I think is important, just to appreciate something that obviously is required for all living things on earth, you know, and, and if we are in a created place, that creator created that sun for us. And so to appreciate it, I don't think is an evil thing. No, it's and I got that from you. Yeah, exactly. It's like saying, you know what, that zebra over there is it's evil or it doesn't need to be here. No nonsense. This place, everything here has a reason. And when we start to be honest about what we see, um, the seasons have always been so important to our lives as human beings and as the animals. Matter of fact, the animals, every day of their life is geared to the fact that there's gonna be seasons. These times will have food, these times will not. 
So uh, how can we not be honest and, and realize what's actually driving where it is we exist, the system we're part of? But you see, that's the problem. I can tell just how the, the, the question was worded. Um, the idea of sun worship came in. Well, where does that come from? Is that your idea or is that someone else's idea? I don't worship anything. Um, that's not what I do. I'm, I'm interested in a spiritual path. Um, I'm not interested in worshiping something. Right. It, it, as we said at the beginning of this, it all comes back to the sun because that's just the nature of reality. Our sun is the life giver, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it it's what gives the light and the warmth and, and what drives the cycles. That, that's just the way it is. But it's also the center of all of the symbolism and all the things that you see everything going back however many years. We don't even really know. It's, it it's is the all, center yeah, point. It's, it's, it is the focus. It's the much deeper meaning. The, the majority of us got a surface reading from the man in black because he was taught how to teach a surface reading. So, oh, I, I see someone else mentioning about 432 hertz. That was one the – I'm so used to using it now, I don't think about it anymore. But, yes, the, the entire soundtrack was done in 432 hertz, and that's a big deal to me. And I did bring that up to uh, Eileen McCusick when we did the, the show with her, if anybody hasn't heard that yet. And I was like, well, you know, th this is a big thing that – people have brought up many, many times. And I feel like I can tell a difference. And she said, well, the 432 does work more. And this is something I, I was familiar with already, but it does work more with the natural resonance of the earth, with the Schumann resonance, as opposed to 440. So that's, that's just a, a straightforward, even scientific reason for it to sit better with the, the human mind and, and the way it impresses upon you. But I've tested myself. I, I have pretty good hearing still. Uh, even though I'm pushing 50, I still have a, a really good range, thank goodness, uh, with my hearing. And I can feel a difference between them. And uh, as a matter of fact, I remember one track I had started and I'd forgotten to do it in 432. And I'm listening back to some of the rough tracks and I'm like, something doesn't feel right here. This this is this is like it, it's it's not it's not sitting me right with me right, and I went and checked and by damned I had forgotten uh, with with some of the um, the MIDI tracks the things that were virtual instruments so it was an easy fix but I noticed like it, it wasn't vibrating with me right to the other five tracks that were going along with it, and uh, yeah to to answer the question I'm seeing here, Angel Song was done in 432 just as that whole album was that entire album was done in 432 hertz that I did. Um, Crow will be back in a minute. He has to reboot. I'm, his I'm actually, yeah, oh, I'm back? actually back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I blue screened for some reason. Uh, don't kick, don't kick anything through the text thing for right now. Okay. Well, we shouldn't need to. But anyway, yes, everything I do, um, for the most part, if if it's something that I personally release, it's always going to be under 432. Now, if I contribute to something with somebody else, it might not be, but. Yeah, that's something I will always do. As a matter of fact, uh, something that I t talked about with Alex Michael, uh, conspiracy music guru, was he, he had said, he called it, I had a similar idea, but he actually had a specific name that he would like to do as, as a 432 fest. And I loved that name. I was like, dude, we need to make that happen. But he's not big on playing live anymore. And I still love the idea if I could ever get a band together of people who have a little bit of higher mindedness about themselves. Um, but we just got a question in here from Cody. I've purchased some of the tuning forks and am through the material now. Have you guys had any results so far between the three of us? Uh, Crow, you want to go first? Because I can definitely talk about that. 
Um, I haven't had tons of time to use them. I can tell you they're very well built. Um, another thing is we've had people, more than one, one of them's a retired engineer, um, questioning how close to 440 it is, which I find interesting. But 440 on its own, I don't view as necessarily directly harmful. I think it's the way it's implemented across music. But to be honest, uh, all these things need to be worked out. But the one thing that I did do is when I used it and put it on my hairline, um, I could hear like my heartbeat in a noisy way, like whick, whick, whick. Um, then I did it again and it was less. The third time I did it, I couldn't hear it at all and I haven't heard it since. So that's really the only thing I can report. Well, Rose, why don't you talk about how you felt? Because I do it to myself usually before I go to bed and just kind of give my whole body a uh, a good sonic vibration. But we've had some good results with some of the things that you deal with. Yeah, I deal with a lot of nausea and at some points it was really, really bad. And so Jason came in and he tried it on me. He tried putting it on my stomach where it was hurting. And then also behind my left shoulder <clears throat> near my scapula and rhomboid. And it took a little bit and it was at first, my mind was just pleased by the distraction of the vibration and I thought that's all that I liked about it. But after a few minutes, I actually stopped feeling really bad. I, I think I felt better within five minutes. There are a few times when it didn't completely help. But for the most part, I, I now my brain wants it if I'm having a little episode. Well, the big thing that uh, when was that like two, two or three nights ago when you were doing a live stream with Trey? Uh, it seemed to have, oh, yeah. that was like one of the best effects I've ever seen. Like you were definitely having a stomach episode and I came in and I had you lean forward and I just kept at it on your back in the one spot that seems to work. And you were good to go after that, after we did it for about, I don't know, five, five, six minutes. It wasn't like, wasn't a real long time. Yeah. I felt really bad because I was going to cancel. I thought, oh, it, you know, it, I passed the point of no return and there's just no way that I'm gonna stop what's coming, which is you know, how you get when you're, when you're sick, you get sweaty and you're red in the face, so I just wouldn't have been able to do it. But then I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna see if this will help. And so we called Trey, and then I think I even forgot that I was sick in the first place because we were talking for about 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, Jason, I guess I should probably you know, get going. <laughs> I hope you didn't feel kicked out, but then we did record. Right, right. Uh, but to answer the question, to go back, what we have is we have the sonic slider, which is the, uh, what is it, 96.5, I think is the, the frequency. Again, tuned to the Schumann Residence, uh, up 12, if I remember correctly, from what Eileen said. But I also got the one with the circuit boot, which is the little device that she came up with, just an extra little extension that you clamp on, and it helps to focus the frequency down. So you could take this little, um, what would you call it, kind of like a, um, looks almost like a stopper of sorts. That's yeah, it looks like a shower head. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of look like a yeah. shower head, but it, it looks like a shower head put on the. T you know, what would be interesting to do is to get a good ceramic plate and put some salt, table salt, the kind you don't want to eat because they're all little cubes, and uh, see if you can resonate a uh, a cymatic pattern and, and take a look at it. Um, that would be an interesting thing to do. I think anyone could, I, you know, I thought about it. I just, you know, I, I have all these things I want to do and I never end up time and then I forget about them. But I was thinking I want to take this upstairs, get the biggest plate, get some table salt and see if I can do a quick cymatic pattern uh, on a ceramic plate. But I actually have it in my hand here. I, I have it in my studio here. So this is what it sounds like. 
I don't know if that's um, yeah you can you can totally through? tell yeah easily yeah I was doing it in the car while people were walking by and I had it on my forehead and I just couldn't imagine what they were thinking and I thought to myself <laughs> if this COVID nonsense wasn't happening I would have rolled down the window and said hey can I can I put this on your forehead but yeah, you, you should, know that would have been way too much you should have said nanu nanu so anyway yep uh, we're going to keep using it Uh, I actually haven't had a chance to get with Eileen yet she was going to go through some stuff with me and uh, uh, I don't know if anybody heard that coming through the system there but hopefully it it, hopefully my mic here which is a pretty good clean mic it should have hopefully came through but um, I'm going to try and learn as much as I can and uh I really would like to go through some of our actual training, and uh, even uh, Dr. Andy Coffin said that if uh, he thought it'd be great for me, just because of my understanding of uh, of audio and frequency, is just the fact that I have that background makes it easier for me to kind of just accept that this is this is the way this works. This is not some woo woo thing. This that that there are actual scientific principles at work here. Someone's asking why you don't eat table salt. That's like iodized salt, like Morton salt, um, because there's much healthier ways to do it. You can look online what you need to know about. Basically, it's no different than processed sugar, if you want to look at it that way. As a matter of fact, I actually met a past CEO of Morton salt, believe it or not. Um, But, you know, you get Himalayan salt. There's all these kinds. People like to choose sea salt. Sea salt uh, is the easiest one. In co- yeah, well, kosher salt is very similar. Those are the ones – I like the Himalayan salt just because it's got a, a little different taste and I like what it does to things when I cook with it. But even if you just get plain old sea salt and things like that, that's fine. That's that's not what we're talking about. Um, that's not what we mean by table salt. We'll, when we say table salt, we're meaning like the stuff you can get for 50 cents a container. It's been processed. You just you don't And it's cubes. Do if you look at it under a microscope, it's completely made up of the angles of sorrow and that's outside of the whole iodized – idea why why does everything got to be processed like that's like one step away from iodine or i forget how they describe it you can look it up to know better because i simply don't remember my point is salt keeps forever so why do you need to screw with it why don't you just harvest the salt and give it as it is yeah um which is which is the whole problem with most of our food um what's the idea behind suppose fiji water never touched by the hand of a man and then i'm thinking yeah but did the eyedropper get to it Um, kosher does mean blessed by a rabbi, like it has to go through certain processes, but the quality of the salt should still be there if I remember correctly. But you know what? I am not a hundred percent certain on that. So I will check next time I go to the store because I normally buy two kinds of salt. I get sea salt and I get the Himalayan pink salt. That's, that's what I do. And I like the sea salt the best for most uses. Um, and actually we have a rock salt grinder, um, which like for things, if you eat eggs or other things, um, it's real good for those things. But anyone who's still eating Morton iodized salt, if you eat a lot of salt, you should look it up and educate yourself. If you like salt, salt is one of the... Matter of fact, I think I said in an episode not too long ago, in a number of old alchemy texts, and I just reread it right before we did episode 232, um, the alchemist claimed this. This is what the human body is made of, according to some old master alchemists carbon hydrogen oxygen and the 12 cell salts if that's true 
or that is philosophically true because I don't know if that's what they were doing with it. I haven't had time to look at it. Then think about what it means in the great work to make the medicine that cures everything, what that might start to mean. And so much of what they're doing has to do with metals and rocks and crystals. Um, not so much plants for some reason in the great work, which I always found interesting. Um, but yeah, there's all that. So yeah, you know, uh, if, it, if it's true, you can see the importance of salt in the human body. You talked about that in episode 216 with Austin um, Austin Walters. And then you mm -hmm. also mentioned that in episode 218 with Darren from the Walter Russell Museum. Well, old guy can't remember shakes his fist at Cloud. <laughs> well, that does happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but anyway. I was not at Woodstock. <laughs> You 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 were just not quite enough old, old enough to do that, or you would have been quite a, quite a wee little lad in the mud. Well, what they what they want me to believe is the fact that I can't remember that I was there means I was. Oh well, well I hope you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> did you stay up all night for Hendrix? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody did. <laughs> it's a put up. It's a put on. It's an eminence front. So anyway, to finish up with the film before we run out of time here, and then we can talk about what we have coming up with uh, with the show. The, uh, the, the is Rachel being serious with us? Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. Oh, is the salt on Doritos good for me? <laughs> Rachel's no, always the, got the, the one line zingers that I love. She's awesome. Yeah, with that. No, the salt's horrible for you, but the Doritos are awesome. They'll cure anything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They uh, they they bless them. <laughs> Every single bag before they send it out, but. Uh, yeah, to finish up with the film, uh, it's it's Crow's it's the story of Crow's journey from when he started doing the filming up until um, what would we, what do we do? 2018, I guess, right? Yeah, October 2018. I'm starting to forget now. Maybe I need to start shaking my fist at the clouds. And uh, you will <laughs> get off my lawn. But um, this dog is mugging me. <laughs> Ouch. So there you have it. If you haven't seen it and you are a recurring member, send us an email and you will get a free key that opens it up for a week so you can actually watch it multiple times, which is we did that because there's so much going on in a lot of these clips. And by the way, what are the recurring membership tiers? Isn't there a couple of them, if I remember correctly? I don't deal with any of this the side every, of the show. So. Every, level, every level that you can possibly sub can be reoccurring. And here's the easy way to do it. If you're reoccurring, log in, go up to the Shoot the Moon link in the top navigation, hover over it, and a drop-down will, will happen. Click on that drop-down, and it gives you what you need to request a key. That's the easiest way to do it. If you can't possibly deal with that difficult link, then just email somebody, and we'll send you a key. Yeah, we, we're, we're not stingy about it. I mean, and we paid the, the, the biggest tier on uh, Vimeo so that we didn't have to worry about anything. We can have as much bandwidth as we need and space and all that crap. So we ponied up last year and this year just, just for it. And we did that for you guys, even though it was a little bit on the pricey side, because we didn't want to worry about it. We just wanted to be able to put stuff on there and, and just forget about it so that everything works. They're not going to bother us about anything. So... It's there we if paid, you guys want it. Yeah, we paid a lot. We should have got a free Vimeo COVID mask for the amount of money we paid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, we definitely gave them a couple bucks. But again, I, I, I've never been stingy about anything to do 
with the show. If I have the money to put something up to help the show and the listenership, I do it. It's even the approach I take when, when I'm, I'm producing the show. I'm always trying to think of little things that can make it better and all that. And I, I hope that it shows because uh, obviously the live streams that we do are way rougher compared to what the finished product that we release every week is. Oh, we should mention before we run out of time, uh, the questions, right? We should put up a link and mention the questions. Blix, get down. Come on. Be good. Blix needs Ouch. a cookie. <laughs> God, this dog is not a puppy anymore. He's like 20-something pounds. He's probably maybe 10 inches tall already. You are going to have quite the creature on your hands. But uh, Everyone, Rose, why I don't walk you... them through the neighborhood. Everyone thinks I'm walking a fox. It cracks me up. <laughs> what, is, what is that? Is that a fox? I'm all, no, no. it's a Shiba Inu in there all. What's a Iba Shinu? <laughs> oh, yes. I yeah. email in the chat, Jason. Okay, so let's talk about the Q&A episode. We, we didn't pick a day for it yet because we've only got – well, Rose has chosen 20 questions so far out of what we've received. And the idea here is – we only want to do the best ones. We had a little bit of issues last time we did a Q&A show. We don't want to go there again. It, it just wasn't worth it. Uh, let's just do things that are succinct. Make sure that your question uh, actually sounds like a question. Please do not write us uh, War and Peace or, or The Lord of the Rings. We just you need to give a little backstory to the question. That's fine, but don't overdo it. And, and that's Everyone's it. Everyone's been like, great and then, so far. And then we'll, We'll, we'll pare it down and make everything so that it's easy for the listeners to, uh, to, to listen to and to enjoy. And we definitely want to hear from you. So crow777submissions at gmail.com. Yeah, um, a couple things. These are good episodes because you can always compare them to the other ones and you can show where people are and how they've developed and things like that. Um, someone's asking, Hassan is asking, oh, I, I think it's hand, hand, there are other texts, but hands down, everyone should at least have an exposure to basically what amounts to be a poem from way back, or at least it's claim way back, called the Rubiat. And, um, you know, the, the, the moving hand writes and quickly moves away. How many times have you seen that written somewhere or in a movie somewhere that's lifted from the Rubiat? So you start with the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. If you want to get a little more in-depth, uh, you can search other texts. But in my view, the Rubiat should be, you know, suggested reading. Instead of Lord of the Flies or some nonsense, people should read things like that. <laughs> and I did read the and entire you also Rubiot. recommended Manilius, right? Um, the thing about Manilius is you better have a love of the sky clock and telescope work. Um you know, it depends what you're into, but all the old writings, well, unless you're totally into murder mysteries or something, you might <laughs> not be so into it. But if you're into learning, um, there's usually something in the old kind of alchemical things. But a lot of the things like Manilius, uh, you got to have an interest in the sky clock. And it's got to be a technical interest because Manilius ain't messing around. Um, he's going to tell you how many degrees from saying you are. Ouch. <laughs> One. All right, so coming up this week, we have the return of Clive DeCarl. We do. Um, he's just now recovered from the onslaught from the last show, and I'm not even kidding you. And by the way, let's take a moment and thank everybody for trusting in us, for trusting in, in Clive, 
but he's he's putting out the real, real deal. Uh, we we tried to vet that as best as we can. Uh, I know Crow has had some very good success with using his products, and that's because they're real products. It's and it's not even a product. It's it. This is just part of nature. These are things that your body sure. does need. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like he's producing something that's uh, oh like well, Doritos. <laughs> it's not pharmaceutical, well, right? He, He's actually a good vein to test the pulse because what happened was is he got hit hard, which has happened to a number of people who've come on our show. They are just overwhelmed. They can't even get through the email for like a week or two. That's how overwhelmed um, if they give out their contact on the air. Um, but what happened was the supply chains, because of all the nonsense that's going on in our world, had been affected. And even now, when I talked to Clive, I talked to him a few days ago, uh, we're talking about the possibility that other supply chains may be collapsing around us. And we'll talk about these things when we have Clive on. He may be the Thursday show. He may be the Saturday show. We just haven't worked out how this coming week's coming yet. Uh, we're pulling it off the cuff. But you see, even in the face of broken supply chains, not being able to get even bottles and packaging, he still held up his end. And that tells you something about Clive. Yep, no, he's a good dude, and uh, we're definitely happy to be putting him out there. And thank you to all you folks who have supported him, because this just means that he can keep growing his business, but his business is the business of helping people, and that's great. And I'm, I'm really proud of you guys well, for doing that. Let me add this. You know, I had what's called a trigger finger uh, on my Saturn or middle finger of my right hand. It's cutting into my mandolin time. My sister actually had the same thing. They gave her surgery. It's a simple surgery. But my doctor told me the same thing. That, oh, you got to go get cut to get that fixed. Clive on the air gave me his special blend of magnesium. And by, before the show was even over, I noticed an improvement. So coupled with the vit pure vitamin C and the special blend of magnesium, there's like a synchronicity between those two things when you're taking them you got to be careful you don't want to take too much magnesium or you're going to be in the bathroom all day long and if you do that too much you'll wash everything out of your body and feel bad point is is i don't need surgery on my finger and so like my doctor wasn't even aware that that was possible my doctor's pretty sure i needed to go get a, a scalpel put on my finger and his website is just clive right Pretty sure I'd have to look it up, but yeah. Uh, well, okay, that just works. Yes. So yes, it is. Let me drop that in the chat because that just. And by the way, go, if you end up doing anything with Clive, you need to let him know that Crow Triple Seven sent you. Um, yeah, definitely let him know because he. Well, it's a good gauge for him too to know what kind of reach he's getting. Uh, he's somebody we want to keep working with and um, and helping you guys. Well. Well, not only that, yeah, we have we have agreements between us. So for him to know you've come from here um, might also put you in front of the stack a little bit. Uh, Jeff is asking, uh, I was looking at purchasing from Clive. What are some good start items to purchase? He only has a few items, right? I, if, if I remember correctly, he doesn't have a, a huge plethora of stuff because it's all just a few real essential things. You can go to the site and see pretty quickly what he's got on offer. Um, that's what I suggest you do. But for the average person, just understanding that um, vitamin, most people are deficient, he has found, uh, in, in C and magnesium. And the thing about C, here's a funny thing. I once heard, and I didn't believe it at the time. Now I'm, now I'm starting to rethink that. Someone had said that there was a study done. Like, you know that feeling you get if you're almost in a car accident? You know that huge rise in adrenaline and the fear comes up? 
they claim that if that happens to you in a day, you use up every bit of vitamin C in your body that quickly. And I always wondered if that was true. But it, even regardless, it underscores the idea that he gives you this big thing of vitamin C, and so every day you take a little. So it's almost maybe not quite like eating a few oranges a day, but you get what I'm saying. This is a thing that that you use up, and I and you should also understand pet, dogs don't don't let dogs get a hold of vitamin C. By the way, <laughs> yeah, good to know. All right, but that's yeah. pretty much going to do it for us. Uh, the other thing we'll be releasing soon is a continuation of the episode we just released uh, yesterday. And we're going to try and fill in some more of the, the blanks there for you. And we've got a lot more where that came from because Crow has been making notes out of all these books he's been reading. And there's a lot to go through, to say the least. <laughs> I've been looking at them. Hundreds of pages, and unfortunately the clipping didn't work very well. So I'll have to go back through. Um, so we may run an extension to 232 on Thursday, but there's also a good chance it will be Clive to Carl. Um, it just depends because we have to redo part of the front end um, so that it's as compelling as it needs to be and we would have to finish out the back end. Um, and again, uh, that particular episode, which we started to call 233, I'm not sure it will be, uh, that will not run on YouTube. We're just not playing the game with them. No, because uh, they are convinced that something like Biofield excuse me, biofield tuning and tuning forks are dangerous for some reason. So yeah, go, yeah, go ahead and screw tell them. The truth about the, yeah. Tell the truth about things in the world and you, YouTube will lose its damn mind. Um, but their, their days are numbered. You know, who you, you don't have to argue about who's right and who's wrong when censorship comes to town. Do you? It's evident on the face of it. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, join Wayne McCroy and myself and uh, anyone else we may have on. We haven't picked a topic yet for this Wednesday's Secrets of Saturn live stream. Crow, what do you got? Or Rose, if you have any final words? Uh, you got anything, Rose? No, I'm good. Looking forward to this week's episodes we put out. Other than that, we just need to collect a few more questions. Typically, if we get between 40 and 60, we fill a two-hour show easily. Um, hopefully, we won't get overwhelmed. Uh, but those are interesting episodes uh, because it is a good barometer on what people are thinking about and where currently uh, the audience as a whole has come as we enter into the low point of the sun this year, which let's be honest about. You know, There's a lot of things we don't appreciate about what's going on in the world, but the truth is, is many of us have lived in one of the most exciting times that we're aware of in history, kind of, to be alive. Uh, we've completely changed the nature of the world in my lifetime, and now we're hitting a milestone in a big cycle of time, uh, which is telling us we're going to be doing something different. We all pretty much realize the government we had is something else. We all pretty much realize that fiat currency is now something else. It's an exciting time, and I just think we all need to hold our heads up because um, it's no different than Google censoring us. I don't have to feel bad about that because on the face of it, I know they're wrong. They have no right to censor a human being who's doing no harm. And that is the situation we see in the world. But it remains to be seen. Are people stooping down to the low level of humanness and using lies to reset a system for a better going forward? Or is it something else altogether? It's very easy to see the lies and assume the worst. But there's no reason to assume the fat lady has sung. Um, this tide is coming in and this tide is human consciousness, consciousness and that's all of us. And there are a hell of a lot of us. And if we all come to our senses, we can steer the ship where we want it to go. So there it is, man. Cheers.